Now, it's time for the Cybersecurity News Bite with Jim Guckin. Cybersecurity News Bite, episode number 64. For July 17th, 2023, AV Recon infects 7,000 routers, worm, GPT, used for clever phishing, Genesis Market sold despite FBI disruption, and story updates, not update updates. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. It is a another nice day. I am your host, uh, Jim Guckin, uh, here to kind of give you the cybersecurity news that I think you need to pay attention to, well, at least for this week, uh, because it changes rapidly. And obviously, even by the time I'm done this, it's probably changed significantly. Uh, but the first thing on our, our story this, this week uh, that I think you should know, uh, AV Recon, uh, it is a new remote access Trojan that was discovered by Lumen's Black, Black Lotus Labs. Um, uh, you might also hear remote access Trojan as RAT. Rat. Um, and this particular strain of malware uh, is impacting what is properly known as Soho routers. And if you don't know what that is, don't feel bad because I had to look. I thought there was a brand called Soho that I was unaware of. Uh, it stands for small office, home office. Um, and the reason why I think this is an important story for a lot of professionals out there is um, an argument I've made a long time saying that, hey, look, there has been an argument in the cybersecurity community uh, between, you know, the good old days of where there was a perimeter and you just secured the perimeter and that was the way you protected your network. And my problem with that is, is now that we have gotten to a place where there is no real perimeter anymore. You can't just protect your firewalls. You have people working at home. And when you have people working at home, some people use a home business router to route the traffic to the business, just like they're sitting in their office at home. Um, rather than using like VPN software that you have to troubleshoot, it's, it's all built into it. Um, and these threat actors have been kind of attacking the small office or home office uh, for two plus years that, that that has been able to be figured out. Um, and this has built a botnet of around 70,000 devices, uh, which they can use to do all kinds of malicious stuff with. Um, and it's not just one country target. There was about 20 different countries uh, that have devices that have been caught up in this. And it actually was very interesting for me because, you know, um, I have been in companies in which we have given devices that call back home and act like they're on the network for, you know, uh, either like a small office or a uh, home office for some executives. Um, and it can be something that is kind of very uh, interesting to kind of wrap your head around because it is something that is a network device tied to your network that you're putting in an untrusted network that already exists. Um, so it's kind of interesting about this. Uh, now, this isn't the first kind of thing we kind of heard about it. Uh, CISA uh, has pretty much issued a advisory back on June 13th. Uh, and the advisory was about misconfigured network equipment. And all the time you'll see this in the, in the security field where there will be a, for lack of a better term, a announcement from CISA that's kind of nebulous. You're really not quite sure why or what they're talking about because they don't go into like, this is a specific type of attack. They just kind of go, hey, 
government agencies, we need you to fix something immediately, and here's what it is. Um, and this was actually released by CISA under the, their Binding Operational Directive 23-02, which is as government as it can sound. Um, and if you are a technology person or if you are a security person and you're not quite paying attention to CISA, I recommend it. CISA typically does these kind of things directed at government agencies. But if they're doing it to government agencies and they're like, hey, we really need you to patch this right away, then there's a reason why you probably should patch it right away. Um, they can't force you to, but they can do, you know, they can enforce kind of in-government agencies. Um, so with this kind of attack um, from AV Recon, it originally targeted some Netgear routers. Uh, the home commercial grade network, you know, Netgear stuff you have at your home. And then they made this pivot over to these uh, small office and home office routers. And pretty much what they're doing is just brute forcing their way into it. So they're looking for something like a weak password or some other way they can pivot into the system. Uh, and then they take control of the system. And once they control it, they kind of recon the environment to see kind of what's going on. They um, take that recon information. They feed it up to a command and control server or a C2 server. Uh, but what is interesting with this kind of attack is the C2 server is not necessarily the one who it talks with all along the line. In fact, the C2 server, their command and control server, passes it off to what they call a second stage server. And right now there's been about 15 of those found. Um, from there, that, that second stage server will start to decide, you know, what malware is going to push and kind of what it needs to do. And um, has a whole bunch of different uh, code languages on there um, to make sure they get the right malware on there. So... The interesting thing about this web malware is it's written to target ARM-based uh, chips and, and devices that have those chips built into them. Uh, the code is written in the C language, um, which, you know, can be used for porting into new architecture fairly easily. Uh, so, you know, they kind of do this. And once they have control of it, they can do kind of password sprays. Some fraud has been detected, like they were clicking ad, uh, ads and generating money for themselves, stuff like that. But the one that scares me the most is they can proxy using that device now. So they can come into a user's network and then back out like they are that user. So, you know, you could be sitting at home and unbeknownst to you, your public IP address is out there attacking a small country. Or a business, I mean, however you really want to look at it. Uh, so it is def something definitely you need to really think about in how you approach that kind of stuff. So how do you protect yourself? Well, one, if you are a business, uh, you should be checking to see if your 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 you know uh, home office routers or, or small office routers, your, your your locations that may not have your your enterprise grade gear there. See if something's guessing passwords. You know, just cycling through trying to brute force a password for those things. Um, second thing is a general thing for everything. Make sure it is updated rather regularly. Uh, make sure you're regularly rebooting those devices. Um, because these are, there's not like a one size fits all way of, you know, protecting yourself against this attack. Cause it's not like one brand or one vulnerability. Uh, they, they are using these on any arm based processing chips out there. So it's not one brand. It can be any brand. Um, but the whole thing is getting access to that router to begin with. So, you know, 
kind of just recircling on some of these thoughts is, you know, work from home right now is here to stay. Uh, I hope it's here to stay for a long period of time, but businesses are going to have to try to figure that out in the long run. Um, but there is no perimeter anymore. Your users are the perimeter. 100% uh, always. Uh, it's not like there's a, a network edge that you can protect and that's kind of it. It's, it is now your users, their passwords. Uh, they're the ones being attacked majority of the time. They're the ones who are being socially engineered. They're the ones who are reusing the same passwords on eight different sites. Um, and these are not, these are trends that we hope to change over time. They're not easy solutions. Uh, but what I want you to kind of think about from the long run is, you know, how to protect them, how to make sure your devices you're handing out are secured because it is a network device. It, to, to, to me, it, it, it's exactly the same as putting a workstation on a, on a public or a, you know, personal network. You don't know what's going on in there. You don't know what kind of attackers are on there. You don't know anything. Uh, and that we have seen uh, with the last pass kind of attacks, that this is what happens. You get access to home networks and they can pivot into, into either using VPN or credentials they find into other networks. Um, so you're putting this device out there that is a corporate device or a business device. Uh, make sure it is secure. Make sure you run a, a, a test against it. See what ports are, see what it sees to your average uh, person out there to make sure that it is absolutely 100% secured. Uh, because while this is, you know, something new, once again, this attack has been going on for two years. It already has quite a little botnet army. Um, and it, this is not going to be the end of it. We, we will, we will, I, I swear we will end up talking about this again before, you know, any of us really even know about it. Now for our second story this week. Um, you know... <laughs> Uh, the GPTs have been very popular recently, um, whether it's uh, ChatGPT or any of the other AIs. Uh, but what I need you to understand is if it's popular for you, it's popular for other people out there. Uh, so uh, there was an interesting uh, thing found by Slashnet. They found a new generative AI cybercrime tool. Uh, and generative AI is the name for some of these, uh, you know, this, AI bots that are out there. You know, you hear gener uh, generative AI, you've heard uh, large language models, um, but you see them all over the place now. So this one is called Worm GPT, taking its name from ChatGPT, uh, and it is currently being advertised on the dark web and in Telegram. And what this tool does is it's a way for adversaries, for malicious hackers, for internal threats to launch some sophisticated phishing and even, you know, business email compromised attacks. And anyone who's had a little bit of a security mindset over, I don't know, the last six months when AI has become this big thing and maybe you've played with it. Um, and immediately, I would tell you immediately one of the first things I tried to do was, you know, write malware. And we talked about that on the show. Um, we talked about, you know, uh, phishing emails. And that was one of the things I did. I typed in, see, how good of a phishing email can you can you do and give it parameters? And in the early days, it would let me do that. Now, uh, a lot of the uh, AIs out there that are built have uh, restrictions on them, so you can't really do that stuff anymore. But what if the hackers figured out a way of doing that? And that's, that's what this is. They've taken that kind of AI-based program, and they have pivoted it to being evil. There's no restriction on it as... 
you know, I, I can't ask ChatGPT to write me a phishing email, but uh, I can ask WormGPT to write one for me. Um, so many, as I said, many of the, uh, the the AI models currently have protections being built in, or they're building them as they run along. So sometimes, you know, you find new ways around the system. So I, I, there's been a hundred stories I've seen about that where like, oh well, ChatGPT blocked you from doing this, but if you give it this context and pretend it'll write a realistic script for you in which two characters create a phishing email that you can use. I mean, there's a little bit of work there, but you can kind of get that stuff done. Now, WormGPT doesn't have any of those boundaries. Um, so as you're starting to see, you know, OpenAI, um, Google Bard, take steps to combat the use of large language models, you're going to see stuff like WormGPT become more popular. Uh, and God forbid if someone sits there and tries to feed it all the same information and get a really good data set out of it. But WormGPT, don't get me wrong, is, is designed by hackers for hackers. Um, and, you know, like most things, they can build into automate into other tools. You know, create some highly convincing fake emails personalized for your recipient. Um, and that's where I think the evil part of this is going to come in. You could feed it a lot of information and give it some little hints like, hey, Jim Guckin works here, does this. Uh, hobbies are flying kites in the Nevada desert, whatever you want to put in there. And it will be able to generate something that one sounds human and, you know, mention some of these things that you could find by just, you know, looking around social media for this. And the other thing I think is, is, is kind of something we need to watch out for is we're always telling users like, Hey, look for misspelled or bad English in your, in your phishing emails, that's a good way to make sure that um, you will be safe against it. Um, so, you know, look for that and you'll, and you'll make sure that you don't get, you don't fall uh, for phishing emails. Well, now it's not going to have bad English in it. They're going to train it to be better. They're going to train it to do the work uh, to sound English or, or American. And I'm able to say hee-haw and shoot guns. I don't know what, but it's going to sound better than, than, than currently someone who English is not their first language. They're not going to have the grammatical errors. It may ramble a little bit, but I'm sure, you know, that could be endearing to some people who might believe uh, that that is a real person on the other end. And God forbid, if we get to the point where they're feeding information from the person they are pretending to be into the phishing email, which makes it more likely that someone's going to fall for that attack. But that's what the, the real danger of this is is, 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 is leveraging this to make it sound and to, you know, make it sound like it's a person and to pretty much make this into something that will succeed at a higher um, success rate. And it doesn't have to be something like, you know, going from a, you know, 1% success rate to a hundred or 90 I mean, even something as small as like one to three to five, that small percentage increase is definitely something that could be a huge problem. So, you know, guard yourself, be careful, because it is coming. They are building this. As I said, this this is already out there, but this is the Gen 1. By the time you get to Worm GPT version 4, it's going to be a problem that, you know, we can't easily get away from. Now, for our third story, this is actually kind of interesting. So, um, 
back a while ago, about three months ago, there was a cybercrime fraud platform you can go to called Genesis Market. And the clear, the the the, the surface level web, however you want to call it, the, the clear web, um, well, they had their domain seized by the FBI. Obviously, cyber fraud. That's what you know, the government does. Uh, they grabbed their domains on the clear web. They sanctioned the platform. They arrested 102 people associated with the website. They identified and located backend servers, and they collected information on about 59,000 user accounts. So, yay, three months ago, story's end. I mean, you're not really buying that because here we are talking about it, which means there is something else going on. So there was an announcement made on the 13th of this month from the owners of this Genesis market. Now, as I made it very clear, the clear web is damaged right now. But on July 13th, they have said that there was a deposit made because someone was interested in buying this platform. And that the ownership of this platform will be transferred next month to a new group. And this comes directly from their dark web voice box person, uh, Genesis store. Now they've previously been associated with the site. They've made announcements for the site. This seems like a legitimate thing. Now they said in this announcement that, okay, someone's buying it. Uh, look, if you had an account that's not carried over, that's not part of the sale. The new owner is going to have to create new accounts. Now, part of my mind in this is, hey, wow, those those cyber criminals are really great. They don't want to give up their their client information to this new person. They want to make sure that they are protecting their clients, which there might be a small part of this that that's the point. Like you, you don't want to turn over your clients uh, to a buyer that ends up being like the FBI. So this is just the infrastructure that's being turned over. Um, though I, I think part of this might be the new owner of the website wants to kind of figure out if the new people are trustworthy. I mean, obviously the clear web was the clear web was breached. User accounts are in the hands of the FBI. Someone flipped somewhere, whether it was in the internal team or someone who was using the site, uh, that we don't know, but if I was the new owner, which I'm not buying dark web websites, but if I was, um, I would make sure that I would kind of vet through my process. People got access to this. What the new owner is definitely getting is all the development and all the tools and everything that was part of that fraud ring. They get a complete database of information, except for some of the details on their client base. Once again, can't be given that up source code, scripts, and server infrastructure. So a turnkey solution to a cyber crime fraud platform thingy. But but Jim, you said the clear web was taken down. Yeah, well, the dark web is a mirror of the clear web, or the clear web, clear web is probably a mirror of the dark web. Um, but that's still up. Um, it's still there. Those dark web websites can't be seized as easily as the clear web, uh, mostly because there's no, no top level domain 
registrars that you can file complaints with like you can on the clear web. Um, obviously, .coms, there's a place to go and you take it down and have the site redirected. Dark web works totally different, so you can't do that. I should also say that the sister sites for Genesis Market are still kind of up and running too. Uh, Russian Market and 2E's Shop both are up and running at this period of time. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see what this is. There's been some rumblings that maybe this is this just the owners trying to distance themselves from their brand with their brand. I don't know. Um, I'm not that deep into the dark web to know. Uh, but it is very interesting that a damaged brand is being sold to someone else. Uh, it hasn't been disclosed how much, but I would assume that one, it probably wasn't probably wasn't dirt cheap and they're getting a lot of turnkey solutions here. So just something very interesting that I think, you know, everyone needs to kind of look out for. Now for our final story, stories. So usually usually it's about four or five stories. So the fourth story is actually a fourth and fifth story, but they're not new stories. They're actually updates on stuff we've already talked about uh, in my research for this week's show. I found it, uh, well, there were updates on stories that we've talked about that I thought were very interesting. They're very short, so they're kind of just a story upon themselves, but it is something that I still felt we we need to talk about. Um, and that is based on, uh, the first one is Swing VPN. If you remember, we talked about this on episode 62, uh, which came out June 26. Real high-level recap. Uh, there was a security researcher called Lacromi. Uh, who was looking at this VPN software that was available on Android devices. Um, when he did some packet captures and dove into it, he was seeing some kind of what looked like a DDoS and connecting to command control servers. And he kind of made this announcement. Now, at the time we recorded, that was the end of the story. It was like, hey, be cautious when installing this. It's Even though it was, a, it was in the Google store, it was something that was compromised. So uh, even though the story came out on the 26th, by the time I had written it and everything, uh, there was no update. And actually it took me a few weeks to actually see the update. So uh, when I was going through hackread.com, uh, I found the update to the story in which uh, they hackread themselves were contacted by Google back on June 22nd. And they confirmed that swing VPN was a, VPN slash botnet slash sending information that it shouldn't be sending. And they immediately removed that application from the store. So the part of this update is not really necessarily to tell you like, Hey, be cautious of this. This is why you have to be very careful on what applications you install personally to trust. Cause this one came from there. It came from a, a, a software company called limestone software solutions which sounds like a legitimate company. In fact, they had a whole nother uh, application called Hotspot for Swing VPN, which also for some reason has mysteriously been pulled from the Google store, probably because there was problems with it. Uh, so, and we've talked about this, you know, a lot on the show, which is be careful of Android, v or Android, well, VPNs that are free. Be careful of any free VPN, but Android Android apps that are on this store, they're not, you don't have to sideload them. You don't have to go anywhere else. These are things that exist in the store. And 
to a lesser degree, Apple is still having the same issue as well. There are so many new apps that get generated um, that they can't go through them all as much as they should. So be cautious of installing applications. If, if you are giving out corporate devices, whether they are Android or Apple, limit what can be installed on those devices. Because if someone sideloads or goes to the store or finds a way to install software they shouldn't be, this is what it, I mean, because to, to me, this, this is, I can see a user saying, hey, well, I installed a VPN. You told me to be safe. This is the safest way. But like, yeah, but not a free VPN. And to be honest, you know, I would much rather, and, and they're not in my top things I love, but any of those commercial VPNs, um, trying to think of some off the top of my head, like Shark VPN or Nord VPN, not sponsored. Uh, those are at least good um, that they are well-known companies. And they some of them do go through some kind of uh, audit to confirm some of their claims. But a small company you've never heard of called SwingVPN is something that you probably need to, to watch out for. Um, so if there's a white guy on a podcast recommending them, probably going to be a little on the safer side. Not guaranteed. Probably going to be on the safer side. Um, though, you know, really, really do your homework if you really need a VPN. Um, because they're not all the same. And VPNs don't necessarily protect you like some of these things claim. Which I think it's funny because just on a side tangent, I've noticed a lot of VPNs uh, in podcasts that I listen to. They've gotten away from like, hey, you can be safe online. And they've started kind of pivoting towards this well, you can view videos in other countries. It's a very weird thing for VPN. And you can do it with VPN. Though, like I said, not all are the same. Uh, I had a VPN for a while. I tried one of the the, the, the the more popular ones out. And don't get me wrong, I liked it. I was able to bounce my, my signals uh, from other countries. But there were a lot of websites. There were a lot of websites that knew I was coming from a VPN IP address. And I could not get access to that website. And that wasn't like using an anonymous or anonymizer, or, you know, any other of those little tools to keep you hidden online. This was just like a, hey, I'm in Egypt, or I'm in Ireland, or I'm in Germany, or France. Like, it was just like, hey, you're, you're coming from an IP address we don't trust, and, and then being blocked. So, yeah, you can do some of that stuff. Just do your homework before you sign up for, like, several years. Um, but it is something... You, know, you have to watch out for, especially when it comes to free and any software, any software that's too good to be true or is doing a critical service for you. Don't just read the, you know, the reviews on it because those can be generated by bots. I'm not convinced on those, but uh, take your time to do the research to make sure that you know what you're downloading. So for my second story update, not update updates, um, we talked last week, which is actually... I think it's kind of funny if you look at it. Swing VPN was two episodes ago. Uh, this this was last episode. Jump Cloud. So Jump Cloud we talked about, which was a a um, cloud based authentication software. It it linked in by API keys helped you kind of do um, identity management in the cloud across all your platforms. And there was some, they they had announced that yeah, there's a cyber incident happened. We're not really quite saying anything yet. They kind of kept it on the hush-hush. Um, and then they asked all of their users, like, look, every API key we have, we're resetting. You have to go in and fix this. Are we? Or you have to go back in and regenerate new ones. So they invalidated all of their keys, which 
as I said at the time, is a really big thing for a company to do. Like, hey, all of our customers, we're cutting you off until you actively go in and do things. So the update to that is, yes, there was a confirmed breach. They came out and said, they said, look, state-backed hackers, uh, hackers uh, breached our systems. Uh, and what was interesting about this was they were targeting particular customers uh, of JumpCloud. Now, they had to go through the infrastructure and they did, you know, they, they, they kind of did stuff. And JumpCloud has rebuilt that. Uh, but they were targeting a small subset of the total cu customer base uh, that they had. So remember back, I was like, well, I'm not sure if this is bad communication or they're still, you know, deep in the investigation. The fact that they had state-backed hacker, act, yeah, hack, yeah, can't speak, state-backed hackers or state-backed actors, uh, that might mean they were working with local, uh, they working with local or federal authorities, and they were told not to say anything of consequence why the event was going on. So now it's kind of over. They've cleared their systems. The customers have kind of reset their API keys. They, they they can have a lot more information out. Now, on the good side, and I always like to point this out when people do this right, uh, they released the IOCs for their breach. You can go to the show notes. Or you can just search up Jump Cloud IOCs. You can find it pretty easy. But in the show notes, I have included uh, at the bottom of the links, you'll see one for Swing VPN update and the one for the Jump Cloud updates. One of them actually goes to uh, Jump Cloud support website that specifically links to those IOCs so that you can see if they were in your environments or doing other things or even just flat out block the stuff so that you can uh, protect your network. But I did want to give Jump Cloud the benefit of the doubt at the time. I'm glad that it wasn't bad communication. It was, we were in serious trouble. We were just kind of holding things close to the chest until we got it there. But that's the way you kind of see it uh, a lot in, in, in cyber incidents. It's either bad communication, uh, very structured communication, or you kind of have to keep things really close to your t chest while you're doing the repairs. Uh, and when it comes to what you can be attacked with, the state-backed actor is probably the one you have to worry about the most because they are very, usually well-funded, well-trained, uh, and there's something very specific they want to go after. Um, so why JumpCloud hasn't told us what their, what their targets were, what companies, organizations, or even types of organizations that they were, these attackers were after. Um, if you're on JumpCloud and you, you might have had some, you know, particular state secrety kind of things out there. Um, might want to just tighten your security. Could have been you they were targeting. I know it's not a lot of information, but hey, something you you, you, you probably should check. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, watch, listen to the show. Uh, don't forget, you can always uh, go to our website, cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. Uh, look for the show notes, which has all the links for the uh, news articles I use to build this show out for you, uh, as well as my show notes that I've used to kind of talk through the show, um, which will give you kind of a high level recap of what's going on. Uh, don't forget, you can also go to uh, YouTube, just YouTube Jim Guckin, and you will find Cybersecurity News Bite Podcast, which is a video version of the show, which is exactly the same thing. I'm still talking for the podcast, but I have a camera going. So at least you can see me. Maybe there's like a, yeah, we can feel a little better. See my, 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 my hair that's short. And no glasses, so they can avoid the glare of the lights that are on. Um, but maybe it's a little easier for you, or have it run in the background. You can find Cybersecurity News Bite Podcast on almost every um, podcasting 
service out there. Uh, please, if you feel one way or the other, you like the show, you hate the show, you have comments, you have questions, have concerns. Uh, don't forget to go on this podcast websites. Give me a review, good or bad. Um, I'll take it. Uh, usually I, mostly I do this show for myself. I enjoy talking about this. I, to, I enjoy talking about cyber uh, security matters. Um, but I'm always open for uh, more stuff. If you don't want to do the podcast software, you can always reach out to me, me at jimguckin.com, which will get you to um, talk to me. Um, you can also go to my personal website, which is separate from the show website at jimguckin.com. Uh, I think that covers it all. Make sure you stay safe online and don't forget, we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. 